to People Like Us, a podcast for and about third culture kids everywhere. I'm Jen Mohindra. I'm also a TCK and I have a Facebook group for TCK adults called, unsurprisingly, People Like Us. So hello and welcome to today's episode of People Like Us. And today's guest is dialing in from Australia, and I'm delighted to introduce you to Philippe Messer. Philippe, hello, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure, thank you. So as I tend to do, um, I'm going to launch straight into the first classic question as it's become. And that is, I would like to invite you to tell me about where you grew up. I think that's every TCK's favourite question, isn't it? <laughs> um, so um, my dad was a aeronautical engineer uh, growing up. And so we moved around quite a bit. And uh, I was born in the UK, but we lived in the UK, France, Spain, America, Canada, um, and Japan up until about the age of 15. Well, by the time you're 15, that's a lot of moves in there. <laughs> it was, and we did actually calculate it once. And uh, I think we worked it out that I'd attended 14 different schools um, by the time I actually graduated. So that was quite fun to figure out in the end. Gosh, so UK to France, to Spain, to America, to Canada, and Japan all by the time you were 15. So do you have memories of um, the moves? Were any particularly traumatic, any easier than others? Um, I think I was quite lucky with my parents in that um, they always sold it as a bit of an adventure. You know, wherever we were moving, it didn't come out of nowhere. that trying to sort of expose us to some of the culture of where we were going next to get us excited for it. You know, I remember before going to Japan, she took us to a sushi restaurant and we tried green tea for the first time and all these little bits and pieces, just sort of something exciting to look forward to. Um, and so the only move that was probably a bit more negative was our very final move when we moved back from Japan to the UK. Um, unfortunately, at the time, my parents were going through quite a, a sort of a and so my brother and I went back to the UK with my mum. And that was probably the first time where I felt completely out of my depth, um, where even though this was meant to be my home country, and this is where people told me that I was from, I just didn't feel like I connected with it very well. I struggled with other people. And, um, and I think my otherness uh, for a little while was quite tricky for people to get their heads around. Um, so probably the move that I would say I found challenging was actually weirdly going to my home country. But in between, it was always something exciting, always something to look forward to, the new people we would meet, the new places we'd get to see, the new foods we would get to try, and all sorts of wonderful things. That sounds like... Um... A typical difficult move in terms of going back to what is 
supposedly your home country, but having lived so many other places in between and having that feeling of, oh, it's supposed to be home, but it doesn't quite feel like it. So how old were you when, when you made that move? Uh, so I would have been about 15, up to 15 when you moved back to the UK. So going to a British secondary school for the first time. And, um, and at the time, I actually had an American because we'd spent a big chunk of our time in North America. And uh, I think a lot of the students, they really struggled with that concept that I was British, but I definitely changing my pronunciation and changing the words that I was using in a desperate attempt to try and get um, at that age, you know, so that they would, I would be a bit more accepted in my passport country. And uh, it's weirdly one of those things I think I've, almost regret doing uh, as an adult, you know, because I had this mixed accent that had influence from French and influence from France and all these almost uh, wiped away by trying to replace it with that British accent. Um, but yeah, it was that was that was an awkward time for sure. Yeah, it's the it, it seems to be the um, classically traditional hard age to move anywhere from between about 12 to 15 um, and in especially in the sort of going back to your your passport country as you said so after you finished school in the UK what happened next Um, it's really well at the time I do remember within about six months of being in the UK I'd got it in my head and I was like okay I need to get back to that lifestyle like that's what I love that's what I enjoyed so much and I had it in my head that I was going to finish school and go to university exactly what I was going to do um, and unfortunately that turned out to be sort of too expensive an option um, but I thought, okay, next step, get my degree in the UK. And from there, that's going to be my ticket. That's what's going to get me back out traveling again. So I knew from the age of about 15 that that's where my path was going to take me. That was where the future was going to take me. Um, and when I finished university, I decided to go and work in Japan for a little while because I thought, well, that was the last place that I was. I know people there. I've got contacts. And sure enough, we had a lady there who put me into her language school and I got to teach English um, for a year, which turned into two years. And I always thought that's gonna be it. That's gonna be my life. I'm gonna you know, live for a year or two in a country and then see what happens next, where it intrigues me. Um, I originally wanted to go to Peru <laughs> after Japan. Um, mm -hmm. It didn't quite happen, but uh, yeah. It's now ended up in Australia and there's been a few other countries in the middle and it's completely steered how I wanted my life to go, um, this whole TCK lifestyle. So you mentioned um, teaching English in Japan. What, what studies did you choose to do at university? Um, so I originally, uh, I studied English literature um, at university. Um, and my thinking at the time was, I, again, I wanted to do a job abroad. I, and I thought that maybe journalism could be a good route to go down. And I thought I would love to be one of those sort of BBC world correspondents that and you just get sent around the world and you get to be in the thick of it talking about world events. 
and um and by the time I got to the end of university, I think it kind of got it in my head that I think if I wanted to be a journalist, I would have needed that drive. You know, like I would be writing every day and, and uh, trying to get myself out there. But actually what I was more interested in was, was languages um, and traveling. And so I thought, let's go to Japan, spend some time over there, learn some Japanese. Um, and it's led me down a path of becoming a, a language teacher. Fantastic. So uh, as you were growing up in um, the different countries, France, Spain, um, and then of course later on Japan, did, were you exposed to the language there? Did you get to learn the languages in the time that you were in those countries? Uh, yeah, so it was really important for my parents when we were growing up that we actually go into the local schools. They didn't want us to go necessarily in private schools or international schools. They want us to be exposed to the culture as much as possible. Um, so when we moved to France, I remember being uh, put in the local French school with very little French. I think uh, if I remember right, that my parents had taught me a key sentence of je ne comprends pas, wow. I don't understand. And, uh, and I just remember using that over and over and over and over again. <laughs> um, but within a year, in French and I've had some good friends and that pattern kind of repeated. We went to Canada and we had went to a bilingual school so I had to speak French and English and I'd forgotten weirdly my English but a lot of it by that point so I had to sort of relearn English oh. um, and in Japan uh, I was sort of split down the middle. I did half of my time in like a little international school with only 13, 14 students in it and, uh, and the rest of the time I was in the local Japanese school doing things like uh, PE, art, English lessons, anything that I could probably communicate in. So you mentioned that you went to local schools, that your parents wanted to give you that experience rather than sort of keeping on the international school circuit as such. And going back to the UK, you had this weird accent and so you tried to modify your accent so that you could fit in. What was your experience then of going to local schools where you definitely would have been the foreigner? How did you find that? Mm. See, I think that's what was, um, it became my new, is the honest answer is, I felt most comfortable being that foreigner in the situation because at least I think it was very clear who I was um, and people understood who I was. So being the foreigner in a Japanese school, there was an element of obviously, yes, you stood out like a sore thumb and everyone knew who you were, um, but people seemed also quite interested. You know, they were keen to ask you about, you know, where you had lived and they wanted you to pronounce things for them or to take part in that. And so it was always my otherness, my foreignness was very generally seen as at least intriguing, you know, at least positive. Um, you know, when I was in France, I was the British kid. And when in Canada, I was somehow the French kid. And then in uh, Japan, I was the American kid, you know, so like it was always being mixed around. Um, but people seemed to like it. It was a point of interest. And it was only when I went back to the UK where suddenly that otherness felt like it was working in. behaving like a British person. I didn't have the knowledge that all the other kids had. I didn't 
we're talking about. And, um, and so that's the point where I think it, it, it struck home that this is not quite where I slot in. Mm-hmm. And where I'm most comfortable is when I am abroad and people know that I'm the foreigner and we can start conversations that way, um, which is a strange thing to be comfortable with, I think. Uh, but it's, it's something I get a lot of joy out, definitely. Strange for monocultural people, I believe. Not, not so strange for us. Mm. It's, um, it's been quite nice, actually, because I'd say about five, six years ago is when I found out that I was uh, something you know, called a TCK. And I'd never heard this expression before. And it was actually an old um, student that I went to school with when we were in Japan who put up this video. Interviews one after the other of these kids who were talking about having lived in Singapore and Hong Kong and all these places that they were struggling with. And when they went home, and I just remember freezing and thinking, Oh my God, that's me. You're talking about me. I've never met anyone else like you, you know, like that. And um, I just remember being fascinated by it. And, uh, and I read uh, Ruth's book, who you, you interviewed mm-hmm. recently, cover to cover. And I was just enamored with it. I wanted to know everything. And, um, and I thought, well, I need to re-explore some of this. And just before coming to Australia, funny enough, we ended up going to Japan again for a year. And I thought, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's go and track down where I used to live. Let's try and sort of reconnect with some of those roots. And I was really, really lucky because we managed to get in contact with the nuclear power plant that my dad was working for at the time. And, uh, and I said to them, look, I used to be a student at your local school. because this building that had that was our school had basically been left empty for about 10 years and they um and so i went to the to the plant they took me to the school and obviously the building was empty but i could obviously you know remember things that happened like the little science experiments that we'd done and what teachers were in what room and the magic thing that took me by surprise there's sort of like a communal area and there were pillars um, keep, you know, in the middle of the room. And we found all these names, lines and dates on the pillars. And then I remembered that it was the teachers used to measure the kids and, uh, you know, to sort of they had the date in you know, March to uh, 1997 um, and then the kids name and height. And we're looking around all these pillars. And sure enough, we find my name from 1998 written there and it was a weird validation it was like oh my god this actually happened you know like it's not all in my head it's and it's a strange thing to say not talking about it with people um, because I felt that my experience was making people uncomfortable when I discussed it with them Mm -hmm. Um, it just blew me away absolutely blew me away it's like yeah oh my god in this little building in Japan, there's my name and there's the date. Uh, the lady who was showing us, who was showing me around, um, I think she was more excited than I was. She was just jumping up and down and she just pulled out her pen. So on this pillar now, there's an updated chart <laughs> with my line name and, uh, and 2015 written on there. Uh, so that was a really cool moment. Really, really cool. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and as you say, uh, so cool uh, for so many reasons, you know, that, that you described so articulately mm. the, um, that, that validation of, gosh, this kind of weird childhood that I had. It was real. It is proof. Mm. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, well, whammy that day because I thought, well, while I'm here, let's see if I can find our old house, you know, and, uh, and sure enough, I managed somehow managed to track it down, work my way backwards from a memory of about, 10, you know, 15 years. And, um, and I found the house and I'm standing outside and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is great. And I was about to walk away. And then this American woman walks out the door and, uh, and I was like, oh, oh, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's, it sound really strange, but you know, I used to live here when, when I was a kid. Um, and her face just lit up. She was so excited. And she was just like, yes, yes, yes. Come in, come in, come in. Like, you've got to explain everything member from this place. And so we spent a couple of hours in there just chatting. And I got a chance to go around the rooms. And, um, and one thing that I'd remem I remember was that um, I used to keep a bit of a diary at that time. And uh, I used to hide it in the vents in the bedroom. And I said to her, I said, is there any chance I can check that it's still there? It's not going to be there. There's no way it's going to be there. It's been 15 odd years. And uh, she's like, yeah, 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 sure. So it was there. There was my diary still in there. Um, very yellow, because it's been sitting in this vent for so long. Um, and, but it was fascinating reading through it again. Yeah. And, uh, and what was going through my mind at the time? What a fantastic story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it, all, all of this just kind of lit the fires in me. And I was like, okay, I want to keep going with this TCK stuff. I want to, this has brought me so much joy and I hope that I can do the same for others. And when I moved to Australia, um, I actually used a website called Meetup, set up a little group that was meant to be for third culture kids. And every once, about once a month, we would meet in Sydney. And it was so incredible to just meet other people that even though we had different, there were variations in our experience, we really connected, you know, and we all understood what we've been through. And I think the, for me, the most magical parts were explaining to someone for the first time, hey, do you know that you are a third culture kid? You are a third culture because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and just seeing like the, the light bulb go on and just the, the wonder of figuring out, oh my God, there is a label to understand what I'm talking about. Um, it's just been an absolute pleasure to do. And uh, it's continued in my teaching, funny enough. Um, so I work in a school in the North Sydney and every so often there'll be a new kid that starts the school and they'll say, oh yeah, you'll sound American or but be British or something like that. And then I get that moment where I get to tell them, hey, you're a third culture kid. And um, at the start of my career, almost all of them didn't know what that was and would get really excited. And what I've discovered in the last maybe two, three years is there's definitely been a shift and now when I tell kids about it, they go, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's groups on Facebook and things. 
um, and so I'm like that's wonderful they're like they these kids are going to grow up knowing that there are others like them and that they're not alone and I don't know that that's that's yeah that that was something I mean I think of my own experience that did feel difficult growing up because I felt like I was the only one that I was this weirdo that sort of didn't really come from anywhere and so much like you know I had this liberating moment of when I discovered that the, the term third culture kid and that I was one and that there were other people like me and the, the sort of validation of your feelings and and of yourself really um mm. yeah ju just amazing um for me it was a little later in in the UK yeah, it's so validating time that um I was in Sydney but yeah fantastic experience to discover that oh there's other people like me so what took you to Australia <laughs> um well it was honestly a little bit of a compromise we ended up in Australia um because so my wife we've been together um, for about just shy of 15 years and married for about three um, and so she knew when we first met that this was who I was and this is what I wanted to do and in fact when we got together I think months later I was planning to return to Japan um, so she knew what she was signing up to and um, we sort of had decided as like, okay, we need a little bit of a compromise you know I want to go abroad and I want to keep working in foreign countries but she's, um, she's a doctor and she obviously has to worry about her career and progression and things like that. And we're like, okay, well, where is a good compromise? Um, and we figured, well, Australia, she can actually train. She can continue doing her work. Um, and my teaching qualifications work here. But it was more we thought, well, we've got access to so much. We've got Asia on our doorstep if we want to go and explore some of those countries. Um, New Zealand right next door. Um, and, you know, we both had this still this burning passion for Japan, which was easily accessible from Australia. Huge influence in, into why we chose Australia. Um, we wanted it to provide us with the tools that we could both do our jobs, but also travel as much as possible when, you know, COVID's not happening and <laughs> all the borders are closed. <laughs> But, um, but under normal circumstances, yes, that's, the, that's why we thought it would be a nice compromise um, where she can pursue her career and I can still do the traveling and, and live abroad. So having lived in various places and sort of backwards and forwards to Japan a few times, where feels like home for you? Oh, that's the other eternal question, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, no TCK really knows. Yeah. Um, I think as a teenager, um, I do remember thinking I, that I struggled with that, that I didn't have a home, that I didn't have these lifelong childhood friends, you know, that everyone else seemed to have. Um, and as I've gone older, I've actually become really comfortable with that fact that there isn't a home. And it means that I'm happy to to move to wherever be exposed to new ideas 
Um, if you're asking me where am I most comfortable, it probably is still Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's again, it's it's very nostalgic whenever I go, and the country, uh, in especially the town that we're in, in many ways hasn't really changed since I was about you know fourteen, fifteen. Um, so that's probably as close as it gets. But the honest answer is that there isn't one. And I kind of like that. It's, it's that, like the old song, eh? you know, wherever I my hat, that's my home. Yeah, nice. So on the flip side of that then, um, where do you feel the most foreign? Oh, 100% in the UK. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, is um, which um, I, I know I've tried to have these conversations with people before. Um, and, you know, and a lot of if it's someone who's only grown up in one town and and, and one country, um, I often get the same response. It's like, yeah, but every teenager goes through that. Every teenager feels like nobody understands them or that they don't belong and all this. Sort of, um, and that's how I, I accept that, and that, you know, that a lot of people do go through that, but it does feel different where you're this entire culture that's supposed to oh, you just can't connect with. Um, and it's not that anyone's doing anything wrong or that anyone's you know, mistreating you. It's just, it's not who you are. And it's a really hard thing to explain. Um, and the UK is the one by far that it doesn't matter how many times I go back, it's not home. It's not where I feel comfortable. Uh, and would you have um, relatives back in the UK? Uh, yeah, uh, so my so my brother moved back to the UK. Um, when he left school, he did a similar thing to me. He moved around a little bit and he worked in Australia and he worked in Canada a little bit. Um, but then he came back to England and I think he was seeking out those roots. Um, so he wanted to settle down a little bit. Um, so him and his partner, uh, they have a son and they're looking to buy a home. And, um, and I think that's where he, he's going to be. He's going to stay in the UK. Um, but my, my parents, they well and truly continued their TCK life um, or adult TCK, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, she ended up teaching in the Falkland Islands for a little while. Um, she taught in Malawi for a little while in, and, uh, so she she didn't want to let that life go either and my dad did the same he decided he took contracts in south africa for a while he took contracts in canada um, in france and so it's most of us continued that that lifestyle Um, and covid is the thing that obviously has made it brought everything into perspective a little bit so we are now all separated in different um, and we can't get to each other Um, and uh, that's certainly been the hardest thing about the last sort of year or so um, is knowing that the relatives that I do have are literally at opposite corners of the world um, and there's nothing we can do to get to them. Yes, that's a that's something that's affecting a lot of TCKs at the moment because of the current um, COVID travel restrictions, myself included, I will add. <laughs> but. Um, hopefully soon this this vaccine's gonna make a impact and we'll get some sort of normality. Here's hope. 
days ago in Australia, the, the health minister did announce that the international borders are unlikely to open in 2021 for Australia, um, which was quite heartbreaking. You know, I think we, especially we have recently had Christmas and normally that's at least the one opportunity for my whole family. We do try and still do that every year. Um, and this time we couldn't. Um, so that was really heartbreaking and we were really looking forward to this year and think okay we'll make it we'll go somewhere nice maybe in Europe uh, have a wet you know a um, white Christmas you know lot cabin in the woods that sort of thing um, but unlikely to happen I think hopefully next year Philippe I'm looking at the time fingers crossed eh? we're almost at the end of our, our half hour chat today I'd like to end on a positive note and by asking you, what do you think is one of the best things about being a TTK? Oh, so many, so many. <laughs> There's just what I love about this is it does create this confidence um, as an adult. And if they're only young, uh, TCK listeners, um, just embrace this. Like this is, yes, there are downsides to this life. Yes, um, it can be hard at times and connecting with people, but you have no idea how well this sets you up in life and the amazing things you can achieve with it. Um, I, I feel like I could be thrown in almost any country and I wouldn't start drowning. I'd be okay. I'd be able to talk to people, figure out ways of communicating, getting myself around. It makes you so much more confident with talking with people that you don't know because you're used to just being in new environments all the time. Um, it, and just your general world awareness is so much higher. Being a TCK is a great, great thing. And I know it may not always seem that way um, in your teen years, but trust me, as an adult, embrace it you as a result absolutely philippe thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you thank you so much jen it's been an absolute fun i really enjoyed that <laughs> thanks Thanks for listening to People Like Us. If you'd like to join an online community full of people like us, hop over to Facebook and search for People Like Us. You'll find my group and you're very welcome to join us.